You're listening to audio from Grace Church Miami. May you be challenged and encouraged by this message. Having the affections of your heart stirred towards greater love and understanding of the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit gracechurch.miami. This morning, we're going to be studying Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67 to 79. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out and look for Luke. Uh, Luke is in the New Testament, the third gospel. Uh, we're looking at verse, chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. And our passage this morning is continuing the story of Zechariah. Um, Zechariah uh, is a priest. He's an elderly man, an old priest. Uh, The scriptures tell us he's childless. His wife is barren. He's been unable to have children. And about 10 months before our passage this morning, Zechariah was doing his duty in the temple. He was operating as a priest. He actually had a very special um, job that morning, one that most priests never get the opportunity to do. And if a priest was allowed to do it, they would only get to do it once in their life. And he was offering a, a special incense offering before the Lord in the temple. And as he was offering this offering on behalf of the people of God, uh, an angel had visited Zechariah and promised Zechariah that he was going to be receiving a child. Fortunately, Zechariah didn't believe the angel and was struck uh, with muteness. He was unable to speak. So Zechariah emerged from the temple, uh, stood there, and it was then his job to declare a benediction over the people of God. And as he stood there, Now under the curse of God, because of his unfaithfulness, he was unable to declare the blessings of God over the people of God, and it had to walk home in silence and shame. And now 10 months later, um, this promise that the angel had made to Zechariah at the temple has finally come to pass. His barren wife is pregnant and is now giving birth, and Zechariah's lips Uh, we're going to read this morning, are going to be opened, and he is going to praise God. Zechariah is going to sing for us a song of salvation, one that I hope our hearts would be stirred to sing along with him, a song of salvation to the God who saves, the God who keeps his promises, and the God who draws near. So if you would read with me Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. Hear the word of the Lord. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the fand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, 
Four, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet to the way of peace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you as your people this morning, uh, burdened, distracted perhaps. Lord, this weekend in particular, after New Year's, often many of us, Lord, stayed up late and our hearts and our minds are still not quite aligned yet. Uh, Lord, I come to you this morning just asking for your mercy and grace for your people. Lord, would you uh, stir our hearts this morning? Would you stir us uh, as we observe the truth of your gospel, the beauty of what you have done in Christ, as we examine your words together? Would your words speak life to our hearts and souls? Lord, would you bring hope to hopeless hearts? Lord, I pray for, for joy, for cold hearts. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for those that are wrestling this morning in bondage to sin, Lord, for freedom and faith, freedom from shame and guilt, Lord, a, a submission, Lord God, to your goodness in the gospel. Convict us of sin, Lord. Bring the hope and the peace and the joy that's offered only in Christ Jesus to your people this morning. I pray. Amen. Well, I still remember um, the night my first child was born. All four of my children are in the back here with us this morning, and uh, about Ten years ago, my first daughter was born, and, and uh, I remember that first night. I, for those of you who have children, there's, there was um, a, a deep excitement um, as I held this little child, uh, uh, a deep exhaustion as well after a long night uh, staying up with my wife and, you know, really me doing all the work uh, that evening, as she would probably not agree with. Um, just excited, full of joy, the responsibility of a new father, the amazement at this, this little life that came uh, from my wife's body, the, the, the beauty of conception and, and birth. And, and that, that first night, I, I, I held my little daughter in my hands, and um, I sang to her a song. And it's a song that I actually sing to my children most nights, almost every night, and each one of them, uh, I sing this to them as they prepare for bed. Um, and it's one that I suspect you probably know well. Um, begins like this, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, there's nothing that I want more for my children, for myself, uh, than for those words to be true for them. Um, I want them to know peace in their souls, to know regardless of what's happening in their lives, that it is well with their soul, that their relationship with the God who made them is, is, is reconciled, that they can weather any storm that comes to them in this life and in the life to come. These words are my prayer for my children every night. In our passage this morning, Zechariah, he's also holding his newborn son. And Zechariah, too, is singing a prophetic song of peace, and salvation over his little son, John. Zechariah's son, song is not an ordinary song. It's actually a unique prophetic song inspired by the Spirit of God and put on the lips of Zechariah. 
The lips of Zechariah, who nine months or ten months earlier had doubted God and was unable to speak, is now singing a prophetic song of salvation over his son, the one he didn't deserve, over his people, over God's people, who he had shown mercy to, and over you and over me this morning. I pray that God would stir your heart as well to sing this song with Zechariah, that that our hearts would be stirred to sing along our own songs of salvation, regardless of the obstacles and circumstances that lie in our way. And so our text gives us three ways, or there's three ways from this text I want to uh, speak about how we might sing this song of salvation. The first is this, that we, we sing to the God who saves. Notice um, Zechariah's first words, after almost a year of silence, he, he doesn't mention the child that he's holding in his arms. Uh, what he does is he, he declares a blessing to God for God's mighty salvation. Look at me at verse 68. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Why? Because he has visited and redeemed his people. To redeem means to buy someone's freedom, to to rescue them or save them by making a payment on their behalf. He goes on, he has raised up a horn of what? Of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah's first stanza of his song begins with rejoicing in the God that has visited and has redeemed his people. He praises God for saving them from their enemies. What enemies had God rescued Zechariah from this morning? What enemies had God rescued his people from? What freedom had he purchased at this point from bondage? Well, the answer for Zechariah, at least in the small sense, is that he had been freed this morning um, from the bondage to his silent lips. The bondage to his silent lips that were a sign of his doubting, faithless heart. God had now given Zechariah faith to trust in his words, faith to believe the promise of God, the promises of God that they are trustworthy. And it opened now Zechariah's lips to declare what he could not declare when he emerged from the temple 10 months ago, to declare the blessings of God over the people of God. Declare that God himself has come to enact a spiritual rescue for his people. You see, the other rescue that God has accomplished is the rescue found in Christ Jesus. Zechariah's song is a prophetic gospel song. It's a song that his son John the Baptist is going to sing after him, declare after him as his ministry points to Jesus as the only solution for sinful hearts. This becomes abundantly clear in Zechariah's Second verse, look with me at verse 76. He says, And you, child, will be called, what, a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to do what? To give knowledge of salvation to his people. How? In the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God. Zechariah is rejoicing that God has purchased salvation for his people through the forgiveness of their sins. He's done this for Zechariah, he's done this for little John, he's done this for you and for me by sending a powerful Savior. What's absolutely astonishing in this text and what's absolutely astonishing for us to recognize this morning is the forgiveness that God has accomplished for his people is not something that he was obligated to do. No one was twisting God's arm, twisting Jesus' arm. The saving work of Jesus was motivated by God's 
tender mercy for his people. Zechariah uses this language twice in his song, once in verse 78 and again here in verse 72. Tender mercy, the tender mercy of God that had been promised to our Father has been brought near to us in the person of Jesus. Tender mercy is a, is a visceral, affectionate emotion. It's not something cold or calculated, but a deep-seated feeling of love and compassion that God has for his people. It's kind of love reflected in my affection for my little daughter when I held her in my arms that first night. As I rocked her to sleep and sang to her, there was a tender mercy, an affection, a desire to protect, to, to, to care for, to, to be near to. God saved us in his tender mercy that we might have intimacy with him, that we might have an affectionate, loving relationship with the one who made us. Friends, do you understand this morning that God's love for you, his mercy for you, his salvation for you is not cold and calculated, but is from his tender mercy? I suspect there are some here this morning who don't have a father who has loved them in this way. Perhaps your relationship with your parents or with your father was non-existent or dysfunctional. You don't know what it's like for a father to love you with tender mercy. And perhaps when you think about your relationship with your father in heaven, when you think about the way God relates to you, perhaps even as a Christian, is one of distance and disappointment. That he's holding out on you until you get your act together and get things figured out and straightened out, and then he can give you his affection. Oh, friends, this is not the kind of love that God has for his people. God's love is pure and gentle. And his affection for you, Christian, is warm and patient. And he sent his son to rescue you from slavery to sin that you might rest in the safety of his loving arms and sing along with him the tender song of salvation, this tender song of salvation that he sings over his people. And so we sing the song of salvation as we sing to the God who saves we also sing a song of salvation this morning by singing to the God who keeps his promises. So I mentioned my kids, they, um, they have learned in our home uh, that the tooth fairy is not very trustworthy. Um, and I know we may have different ages still hanging out with us here. So the tooth fairy in our home um, often forgets to follow through on her uh, financial fiscal responsibilities on those special nights when the tooth is left under the pillow. Um, and so our children very wisely have learned uh, that they need to prepare for the Tooth Fairy's arrival um, by posting signs around the house. And so often on a Tooth Fairy night, um, we will arrive to our bedroom and find signs on the door, signs on their door, signs on the pillow, signs on the toilet seat, on the mirror, in the bathroom, uh, dozens and dozens of signs that we'll find for weeks uh, just in case the Tooth Fairy forgets to follow through on her responsibilities. Um, they're wise children, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and they know that if they don't take initiative to remind the tooth fairy, um, she is not going to fulfill her dollar delivery responsibilities. Friends, God is not like the tooth fairy. He doesn't forget to make good on his promises. Um, God never falls short on his responsibilities and fails to follow through on what he has said he will do. 
God in our text has accomplished salvation for his people because he promised that he would. Look at me at verse 71. He says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Zechariah sings that God has remembered his holy covenant, not because God forget and there was a sign that reminded him. No, God always remembers to follow through on his promises. God never forgets to do what he has said he will do. Our God is a faithful God that we can trust. You can trust him this morning, church. God can be trusted to follow through on the promises he has made to his people. God had promised Zechariah a child in his old age. And this morning, Zechariah is singing because even though Zechariah doubted, God still followed through on his promises. So God also made good on the promise of mercy he had made to the patriarchs of Israel, the oath that he swore to Abraham. In Jesus, God has made good on his promises to his people. He's shown them mercy when they acted faithlessly. He's shown us mercy when we acted faithlessly. Often when we read this text at Palm Vista, we do it um, during Advent season. We read along with this text a promise from Isaiah 11. This promise goes like this. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Why do we read this together? Because this promise is a promise of an oath that God was making, a promise that God was making, a prophecy that he would bring forth from the root of Jesse, that's David's father, from the people of David, from the King David, a savior who would save God's people, from the barren, burnt out stump of Jesse. Burnt, cut down, fruitless, would spring forth a new tree, a tree of salvation in Christ Jesus. God has brought this to pass for you, church. God has brought this to pass for you, Christian. He has, he has brought for you salvation in Christ Jesus from the burnt-out stump of Jesse. He has raised up a new tree, and you are its fruit. Often the way God brings his promises to pass are not exactly what we might expect. It was certainly true for Zechariah and for the people of Israel, but here, Zechariah, as he's looking at this little child, God has given him faith to see the spiritual realities beyond the immediate circumstances of his life. Zechariah is looking at this little child in his arms, this little John who is going to point the way to Jesus and seeing a God who keeps his promises. Is your heart rejoicing this morning in the God who keeps his promises? Is your heart rejoicing? Are you singing a song of salvation to the God? who is faithful. When you look to the future, friend, do you expect God to be good on his word? Do you expect his tender mercy to continue? When you look to the past, when you look at the present, do you see a God who is faithful? The third way we sing the song of salvation is that we sing to the God who draws near. In verse 76, Zechariah finally turns his eyes down to look at the child in his arms, and in his song, he answers the question that the crowd had just been asking. What then will this child be? So in verse 76, and you, child, he answers, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people. 
in the forgiveness of the sin, their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah's child, John, who will later be called John the Baptist, will be a prophet. And John is going to stand in for all of the law and the prophets as a placeholder pointing the way to Jesus, just as his father Zechariah is doing right now. And John, he's not going to live an easy life. Um, If you know much about the ministry of John, he lived in the wilderness. He ate bugs. Um, He wore camel skin clothing, and he died an early and unceremonious death, executed without a trial. John's rough ministry, it's going to point the way to Jesus, Jesus who brings light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. This past year, my family has started getting into camping and backpacking, and uh, we took a couple trips at the end of the year. I took a couple trips uh, camping with the youth and with the kids. Um, One of the things that always strikes me when camping, I don't know if you've been out camping, like, you know, real camping, um, is the darkness, how much the darkness affects my perception uh, and the way that I feel. Uh, when, when darkness sets in, there is, there is a very real sense in which it exposes our sense of helplessness. We can't see what's around us. I, I, um, so I'm camping, I, I've, I've just got this, uh, this camping hammock, uh, and so like I'm laying in this hammock and you know I'm kind of up high and exposed like a, like a little human taco for any bear that might come by and be looking for a snack, and, um, and, and you know, I'm laying in this hammock, and, and you can hear, like, rustling in the bushes, and, and, uh, and you can hear something scurrying underneath you, and it's, you know, probably like a raccoon or something, or a mountain lion, I don't know, something moving around around you, and, and it produces fear. Why? I can't see what's going on out there. I can't, I can't see it. I, I don't really know what's there, and my mind starts to play, play these pictures of what might happen, what might be coming, and, and what's going to eat me tonight, and, and so every 15 minutes, you know, you're waking up, and you're you know, realizing it's only been two minutes, and, and, um, and my prayer life greatly increases in those nights of camping, which is why I do it. This life, friends, is lived in darkness. This life is lived in the shadow of death. Why? We are, we are plagued with fear, with anxiety, with, with sorrow, shame, and confusion. We don't understand the circumstances that are happening around us. We can't see what's coming for us in a week or a month or 10 minutes from now. We, we don't quite see what's around us, and it exposes to us as we see the world around us the, the inadequacy, our, our helplessness to care for and protect ourselves. If anything, this year has only exposed that more fully, has it not? There's so little that we can control, so little that we can see. Certainly for my family, this past year has been one of those years with waves of grief. (laughs) We've had death in the family, sudden, severe illness. Family members who had apparently years of faithful Christian ministry and service walking away from the faith and mocking the name of Christ. Darkness and the shadow of death Our text, it tells us we need not fear the darkness of this life. We need not fear it any longer. Why? Because the sunrise, because Jesus has come near to give us light and guide us to the way of peace. 
And as the sunrise approaches, as God draws near, the shadows are dispersed and the path to peace is illuminated. Twice in Zechariah's song, he speaks about God drawing near to his people. And in both cases, the proximity of God brings freedom for his people. The proximity of God produces freedom for his people. As God draws near, his people are set free. Jesus' arrival on the scene of salvation has rescued us from the bondage to fear and the curse of death. Why? Because Jesus himself willingly entered into darkness in the shadow of death. Jesus willingly walked into death and rescued his people by conquering death, by resurrecting from the grave, raising up from the dead, and rules now in heaven for you and for me. That is our promise. That is our hope. Church, this morning, in the midst of darkness, in the shadow of death, is the work, the finished work of Jesus. And we have such a benefit this morning because Zechariah, Jesus was still six months from birth when Zechariah sang this song. But we don't have that limitation. Jesus has come. The sunrise is here. (laughs) We no longer need to cower in our tent or hammock, hiding underneath our sleeping bag, wondering what's going on outside. (laughs) Jesus has opened the flap. We can see the lay of the land. The sunrise is here and the land is laid bare before us. What do we see when we look out and upon the circumstances of our lives? It's this church that tomorrow, whatever it holds for you, whatever tomorrow holds, whatever circumstances come, God has purchased for you intimacy with the God of tender mercy, the God of faithfulness, the God of salvation. Come whatever trials, come whatever evil, come whatever suffering and viruses and death in your future, Christ is there with you. Christ has come to guide our feet, to guide your feet to the way of peace. And that way of peace is in relationship with the God who himself created us. The God himself who came to save us, the God of tender mercy who is drawn near to you and is drawing near to you even now this morning. How often do we speak of a sunrise rising, but when do we speak of it coming close? Oh, Jesus has come near to us to bring us peace. Not a peace that is freedom from trouble. Not a peace that is simply fiscal prosperity in this life or or health. But a peace that is a path leading to harmony with God. A life of of weakness where we fall upon the strength of Jesus in all of our troubles and receive from him the water of life, receive from him hope and light and faith to endure the next 20 minutes and rejoice in the next hour and month and year. It's in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who came near to us to save us with his tender mercy. And in that we gain the perspective and capacity to walk through the trials of this life. I don't know what trials you're walking through this morning. I know many of your churches home, like many of the people at my church, quarantining, plans interrupted. Jesus is here with you in that this morning, friend. Perhaps you're here this morning and you do not have peace with God. Perhaps you've never had peace with God. Maybe it is not well with your soul. When you consider your relationship with God, 
There is not reconciliation. Uh, Your sin uh, keeps you from intimacy with God, and you have nothing that has brought you near. Oh, friend, this morning, let me tell you, you do not have to live in darkness any longer. We no longer have to live with anxiety about what is to come, not just in this life, but in the life to come. No, Jesus has come, risen from the grave, and has made a way for you to have peace, peace with God, peace with others, and and because of that, peace with yourself. I plead with you this morning, if you do not have peace with God this morning, to surrender your life to his tender mercy, that Jesus on the cross bore your sins on your behalf, that you might have peace with him. There's no darkness too dark, no sin too scandalous, uh, that Jesus cannot cover it with his blood and welcome you in open arms into peace and life and joy. God, in his tender mercy, has already paid the price for you and purchased freedom for your soul. Perhaps you're this morning and you are a Christian. God has given you faith to trust in him, but your heart is struggling today to sing the song of salvation. Struggling to see his mercy. Struggling to be moved by his mercy and grace. And I I say this uh, not simply to you, but to myself. This week has been uh, a heavy week. Um, Not even particular circumstances that made it feel that way. It's just heavy. Hard to see God. Hard to feel the mercy of God. And yet that does not mean his mercy is not still there. It does not mean that God is not still near to you this morning, near to me this morning. Let me challenge you this morning, church. Let me encourage you. If you find yourself in that place this morning, do not grow weary of crying out to God in the darkness. Do not grow weary of crying out to God in the shadow of death and and pleading with him for faith and for vision to see him fall upon him in your weakness and receive from him his strength this morning. Often, uh, it's happened before when our kids are out camping that the sun is up and the, the kids wake up, but they're zipped up in their sleeping bag and they can't see the light. Uh, and they cry out in the darkness, ah, what's going on? I can't see anything. And they need help unzipping the bag and looking out and seeing what's there. Oh, friends, let us, let us not remain in that bag. Let us call out to God that he might unzip our sleeping bag. We can see that the sun has risen to see the circumstances of our life in light of its tender mercy. Let us call out to one another, friends. That's why we have the church, why it's so critical for us to gather together as we are this morning, to hear each other singing these songs, these gospel songs of truth, to sing to one another, to pray for each other, to encourage and remind each other of the mercy of Jesus that covers us and gives us hope in our times of trial. Oh, I pray that you might sing his song of salvation this morning and follow Jesus on the path to peace. God opened the closed lips of doubting Zechariah when he could not sing the blessings of God. We could not speak the blessings of God. And he, as well, can open the lips of your mouth, the the voice of your heart that you might sing to him as well this morning. Because here's the truth, church. Even if you are not singing in your heart this morning, God is singing over you. Even if your lips cannot form the words of the gospel this morning, I want you to hear the voice of Jesus singing over you this morning and singing over you as he cradles you in his arms. It is well, it is well with your soul. 
May we be stirred together, church, to sing the song of salvation this morning to the God who saves us, to the God who keeps his promises in tender mercy, and the God who draws near to his people. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Church Miami. May God draw you nearer to him through his word. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit gracechurch.miami.